Welcome everyone to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for everything horror. Now here's your host, Justin and Brandon. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Pod and Gore, your one-stop shop for that non... Not really horror, 90s grungy, yeah. uh, good time stuff. Uh, I am uh, one of your hosts. My name is Brandon. I am your other host. My name is Justin. Hi, and welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> How are we doing today? Not too shabby. Yeah. You missed, uh, this is somewhat horror related. You missed yeah. some excitement uh, down at the office after you left. So I apparently wouldn't, wouldn't there say were some... I missed it there, Justin. I think you did. <laughs> there were some bats in the building today, mm. and one of them was caught, and then I was talking to Barry, and one flew behind us, <laughs> and they were like, oh, hey, we got this other one in a box upstairs in the office for some reason, right? They bring okay. it down, uh-huh. the fucker gets out of the box, flies straight to my face, <laughs> and I had to, like, duck and weave to not get whacked in the face with a bat, and then they I, caught them both. Oh, my God. I'm wondering if it's because they're leaving that bay door open all night. Like, I mean, Maybe. birds get in there on a regular basis, so that doesn't yeah. surprise me, but bats, huh? This is the second wow. time we've had bats. Yeah. Wow. I was going to say at least, yeah. Well, better bats than crows, and I mean, uh-huh. let's. <laughs> but let's Especially be honest. If you murder someone after <laughs> trying to kick them out of your tenement or whatever yeah. that was about. Right. Well, so, and the funny thing, a little fun fact: um, they don't even actually use a crow in the movie. They're ravens. You know, that's that makes sense. And that when he was like quoting Edgar Allan Poe, I was like, "That's a raven." Right, this movie had is so many quotes and one-liners, especially with um, with T Bird. Like he had a book of quotes, or he had some sort of book, and he would you know quote shit all the time. You know, a bash the devil uh, stood and saw how horrible goodness was, or some shit. And I'm just like, okay, he says that one a couple (laughs) times, but so I. I'm much more excited about this episode than you are. We've already talked about this. I have a very emotional connection to this movie. I have had... This movie came out in 94. I was 11. Math is hard. I was 11. So this was back... Yeah, this was back in the day like when my parents would rent movies and kind of screen them before they'd let us watch it. And so... I remember they rented this and Speed, and they watched them the night sure. before, and they're like, yeah, of course, right? And they're like, um, okay, so Speed, the next day, like, you can watch Speed, that's fine. Yeah. But you guys aren't going to watch The Crow. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> man, I really wanted to watch it. Yeah, I want to I want to watch The Crow, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I'm like, and so I remember the night before when they were watching it, and this is when I, um, we used to live out in West Valley, and I would sneak into the bathroom and kind of watch in the mirror because I could see the TV. <laughs> and so I'm watching it backward. I'm watching it backwards, and I'm you know trying not to get caught, but I'm sneaking back and forth because like I really, really wanted to watch this movie. I mean, it's Brandon Lee. You know, he hadn't done a whole, like he hadn't done a whole lot. You know, Rapid Fire, Showdown, Little Tokyo, which is also another one of my favorites amongst you know 80s, 90s, like that 
time period of action movies with Dolph Lundgren. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this movie that paired with obviously the tragedy that happened. Like me and my brother used to watch this movie, you know, later down the road all the time. Uh, we still quote it mm-hmm. on a somewhat regular basis. Like I was telling you at lunch today, and it. I don't know, man. Like, it's hard for me to, like, I don't know if it's the older I get, but the more I watch this movie, and the older I get, the more empathetic I feel in my old age. Like, it's really hard to not kind of get choked up in certain parts of the movie when, like, the score changes and um, they do, like, a slow-mo. They do a lot of slow-mo. You'd almost think that Zack Snyder was a part of this yeah, film. No um, but there's a, there's a lot of slow-mo. It works, but it's like like when I messaged you last night after I got done watching it and it's when he's standing on the bridge kind of leaning up on it and then all the kids are running around him with the flashlights and then they showed mm-hmm. the slow-mo of him smiling. I'm like, yeah. motherfuckers. All right. Yeah, that and, one was definitely like a, yeah, but okay. <laughs> it's not necessary, but at the same time I'm watching and like it, I, it, it chokes me up. Hold on. Maze, be quiet. Yes. Sorry, I'm on dad duty right now. I'm, I'm not sorry for that, but like my, I got my kid out in the hallway. I have my nephews are going to show up anytime, so we're going to breeze through this best we're we can. Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, it's it is one of those things that made me think today. Like, it's like the Dark Knight. Like, if Heath Ledger hadn't died, would the Dark Knight be as prolific as it is? And I, like, if Brandon Lee hadn't passed away. While this would have been this film. yeah. This would have been a totally different movie. Yeah, yeah. It's what you were saying at lunch, but I'm wondering if it would have just been lost to time and just been one of those things. Well, that came it, out it's in the 90s. yeah. It it's very possible. I mean, but they also I don't know if they talk about this movie being a breakout film for him. Like this was supposed to be his big push yeah. into you know to that next level. And listening, like I've watched documentaries, I've listened to a lot of producers of people who made the movie talk about whether or not they, you know, how this film would have been if he wouldn't have died. Because, like, he, they used uh, CG on some of the stuff. Um, they had a, a latex mask that the stunt double wore. They do a lot of, like, behind the body shots. They don't. Yeah, I noticed that. They don't show the face a lot. Like, they definitely less uh, less is more approached it mm-hmm. but um a lot of stuff that they got that they cut out like brandon lee had a i think i have it in the notes i told you about this he had a a hand in them changing one of the villains um the skull cowboy didn't make it into the movie and he they had even filmed shots with him like when if you watch that cursed films episode like I was telling you about today, they have a whole part where they talk to him and you know he's talking about you know my my dear friend Brandon and stuff like that and I'm just like oh my god damn it, but yeah so every yeah. like I said every time like something happens or at the very end of the movie when they start to play that sad song you know um, tears don't fall and all that kind of stuff I'm just like that's a lot of stuff the music that they would use in um, there was a. I think there was a documentary or like a behind the scenes thing that was on the crow um, special features that talked about all that. And they would play that music. And while he's, 
you know, smiling, and I'm just like, God, stop it, man, because I'm <laughs> going to fucking lose it. It's tragic enough as it is already, right. but... Um, so... I guess we kind of you kind of said how you felt about it. Like, well, I mean, it is it, what, it's a classic. I bought it because I'm a comic book fan, comic book movie fan. We are Marvel for all your MCU needs. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, I've known this movie forever. It's in a lot of top fifty lists of best comic book movies ever made. Right. I'm especially back in the day before the MCU was a thing, and so I mean, I've known this movie for most of my life i've only watched it like three times though so i mean it's like i remember it more fondly than i experienced last night watching it yeah that's what you were saying about it and i i get that dude i've had that happen too where i'm like god damn it this movie does not hold up and again it like and that's what made me think of like if if brandon hadn't passed it might have just kind of petered off into the wind but because it has this aura about it mm-hmm. it's one of those things that's going to be a cult classic forever yeah it's always going to have that stigma to it which is not necessarily a bad thing but you know it's and the fact that his father passed away you know in a similar not exactly the same accident obviously but right. it was on set and the light fell on him like well and that was the thing too is they talked about like in the video I was watching yesterday they were talking about how he had a stroke how apparently he had his sweat glands removed so that way he showed up better on film and stuff like mm. that and I'm like there's a I'm, I'm telling you, you got to watch that it's like 28 minutes long I'm, and I'm sure you'll get quite a bit out, out of it if you yeah. for those of you who are interested uh shutter has a series called cursed films i believe there's five of them on there not to hint about what our next episode's about but uh, but i think it's number four, episode number four. They talk mm. about the crow on there, and uh, there is a lot of stuff that happens, similar Exorcist style, like with making this movie just one thing after another. Um, but without further ado, let's go ahead and hop into it. So, a man is brutally murdered, comes back to life as an undead avenger of himself and his fiance's murder. Directed by Alex Proyas, known for iRobot, Knowing with Nicolas Cage, and Gods of Egypt, was written by David S. Shaw and John Shirley, based on the comic book series and comic strip, written by James O'Barr. It stars Brandon Lee in his final film appearance as Eric Draven, Ernie, Ernie Hudson as Albrecht, Michael Wincott as top dollar david patrick kelly from the warriors another one of my favorite movies not horror related i wish i could talk about that movie on here but (laughs) it's not quite gory enough either um and then michael massey is fun boy and of course personal favorite tony todd is grange amongst amongst uh, several others um with the tagline it can't rain all the time but if you live in detroit it does yeah (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, production on The Crow was struck by tragedy when Lee was fatally wounded during filming. As Lee finished most of his scenes before his death, the film was completed uh, through script rewrites, a stunt double, and digital effects. The Crow is dedicated to Lee and his fiancée, Eliza Hutton. 
After Lee's death caused Paramount Pictures to opt out of distributing the film, the rights were picked up by Miramax, who oversaw The Crow's completion. The Crow was released to positive reviews with Rotten Tomatoes uh, critical consensus praising its tone, visuals, and Lee's performance. It grossed $94 million on a $23 million budget and attained a strong cult following. The film's success led to a media franchise that includes three sequels and a television series. The sequels, which featured different protagonists and none of the original cast members, would be unable to match the success of the first film. As we mentioned, The Crow was a sleeper hit at the box office. The film, uh, the film opened at number one in, in the United States at, with 1,573 uh, theaters. Um, in the U.S. and 1,573 uh, theaters with $11,774,332 and averaging seventy, just under $7,500 per theater. Um, some industry sources believe that Miramax overstated the weekend gross by as much as $1 million. The film ultimately grossed just under $5.7 million in the U.S. and Canada and $43 million internationally with a worldwide total of $93.7 million against its budget of 23 million it ranked at number 24 for films released in the united states in 1994 the 24th highest grossing film worldwide for 1994 and number 10 for r-rated films released that year the crow had an approval rating of 83 percent on rotten tomatoes based on 59 reviews and an average rating of 7.1 out of 10 the critical consensus states filled with style and dark lurid energy the Crow is an action-packed visual feast that also has soul in the performance of the late Brandon Lee. The film also has a score of 71 out of 100 on Metacritic based on 14 critics, indicating generally favorable reviews. Well, hot dog. Well, hot diggity dog. Um, Lee's death was alleged to have a, melancho a melancholic effect on viewers. You don't say. <laughs> no, no kidding. Um, Howe of the Washington Post wrote that Lee haunts every frame, and James uh, Berardinelli uh, called the film a case of art imitating death, and that the specter will always hang over the crow. Both Berardinelli and Howe called it an appropriate epitaph to Lee and Ebert stated that not only was this Lee's best film, but it was better than all of his father's, um, all of his father's films critics, which is big because I, yeah, I love that's... Bruce Lee movies. Mm -hmm. um, where are we at here? Uh, critics generally thought that this would have been a breakthrough film for Lee. Although Berardinelli disagreed, the changes made to the film after Lee's death were noted by reviewers, most of whom saw them as an improvement. House said that it had been transformed into something compelling. Ber uh, Berardinelli, although uh, terming it a genre film, said that it had become more mainstream because of the changes. So I'm curious to know what this film would have originally been like. Um, yeah. I obviously would have rather much had that film and then him still be around opposed to what happened. But... And I've never read The Crow. I don't even know who publishes I it. So I, I, I would like either. to read it to see what it's even like, what it's supposed to be. Have you seen stills or anything like that? It's a black and white, really sketchy art looking. That doesn't surprise um, me at all. Like the old school Ninja Turtles? Yeah. Actually, almost just like that. Um, I was going to try to look it up real quick. Because, I mean, you can actually buy... They have it. I might actually buy it on Amazon. I'm, I, I'm, it's kind of a shame I don't I thought have it. I thought about looking it up and then I forgot. 
So it's trying to bring me. So um, it's a paperback. You can buy. Oh, the hardcover is only twenty one bucks on Amazon. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah, that looks awesome. Um, I just bought it, so (laughs) (laughs) um, I kind of want to read it. But like you said, it 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 looks it's almost kind of tough to read. Yeah, if you want the paperback, Um, the Crow was first released on VHS and on September fourteenth, nineteen ninety four, and on October eighteenth, two thousand eleven, the Crow was released on Blu ray. The movie was remastered in 4K for a special edition in 2016, although the film's final resolution was capped at 1080p. As of January 2021, a 4K release, digital or physical, has yet to be announced. The film was widely compared to other films, particularly Tim Burton's Batman movies and Ridley Scott Blade Runner. Critics described The Crow as a darker film than the others. Ebert called it a grungier and more forbidding story than those of Batman and Blade Runner. And Todd McCarthy of Variety wrote that the uh, generic inner city of Detroit portrayed in The Crow makes Gotham City look like Emerald City. That's fair. I mean, given that, like, when they talk about there being, like, 147 fires going at that point, they're like, oh, they're slacking mm-hmm. off from last year. It's like, well, good fuck, man. Why would you want your <laughs> town it. to be? Yes, why would you want your town on fire? Um, yeah, that was something, like, they talked about, oh, it's fire day, and we're going to set all these fires, but that's not a thing that ever actually ended up happening. Devil's I know they got. Yeah, I know they got distracted by taking down the crow, which I also thought, like, they're just trying to kill these guys. Like, just let them kill off these guys and then say, The four guys. Out. Yep, yeah. just the four guys. And it, So, and that's like, the thing, because... Just let them kill them and then just move on with your day. Right. <laughs> well, word seems to have spread pretty quickly about it happening. Like, you know, first yeah. he takes out Tintin, and then he takes out Fun Boy. And all throughout the course of a night, like, moving pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, with all that going, like, the majority of the fires and stuff like that were started by t-bird and his crew mm-hmm. you know blowing up the arcade and all that kind of stuff like they had to have been cruising too to just like set on fire set on fire <laughs> like um that go burn that go burn okay ben, right, ben. <laughs> uh, while the plot and characterization were found to be lacking these faults were considered to be overcome by the action and visual style the cinematography by darius wolski um, and the production design of Alex uh, by Alex McDowell were also praised. The skitty, uh, skitty, cityscape designed by uh, McDowell and the production team was described by McCarthy as rendered imagine, 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 imaginative, Im- imaginatively. Good God. I'm like, I know that word, imaginatively. Like, why can't I say it out loud? The film's uh, comic book origins were noted, and Ebert called it the best version of a comic book universe he had ever seen. McCarthy agreed, calling it one of the most effective live actioners ever derived from a comic strip. Critic, uh, Let's critic- be fair here, though. This was, what year was this? Well, 94? yeah, it was 1994, and this is well before the machine of the MCU came out. So well, called- no, I mean, but this is, by 94, we were at... Batman Returns was well, yeah, like well, of it. course. <laughs> well, I'm uh, without actually researching how many different ones there were. Yeah, it's That's not like it. Hmm. 
<laughs> it's not like it's it's not like they're saying it now, Justin, so you don't have to get offended no. being like, oh, oh, it's, it's just, not the best ever. I can no, name 17 in- better off the top of my head right now. They're liars. <laughs> <laughs> lie, liar. What makes you lie? Well, it's just interesting. I mean, because at that time, you had the Christian Supermans, and then you had the first two Keaton Batmans. Right. And well, what year? And then like... What year was the mm-hmm. Punisher with Lundgren again? 89. Which so is you had... Terrible. <laughs> terrible. I have that movie because the Punisher is one of my favorite yeah. Marvel um, characters. And when I bought that movie, I started watching it. I'm like, what? Like, it's what? Bad. It's Dolph Lundgren bad. with black hair. That's all you really got to say. speaking, <laughs> living in a sewer. <laughs> and I don't mean to, like, keep crapping on the crow because it is good, but it's... It is worth putting into some context of like it's the best comic movie out of like the three that existed at the time. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I mean, until what two thousand eight? It's arguable. Even fourteen years after the movie came out, like, what would you say is better than that? Blade. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. No. Well, that was like Superman Returns. No, probably not. Like, I mean, <laughs> up until the MCU formed and then became the juggernaut that it is now, you can literally, you could probably make that argument from before up until 2000. I would say, I, I would say up until about Spider-Man. Well, that even then, okay, so you have Spider-Man, and I'm not even counting is, 2004? The first Spider-Man was 02. 02, right. So you had Blade and Spider-Man. And X-Men. Xmas 2000. All right, so you can even still say top five of all, and that's mm-hmm. well after that movie had came out. You can watch your mouth. <laughs> I'll drive to your house. I'll put a mask on just and then smack you. Um, Sounds fun. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> um, and so I, I, I I'm kind of not surprised that 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 little line that I put in there was going to rouse something out of you. <laughs> well, I mean, no, it's just it's interesting that context yeah yeah the context of it is just i would say that it is the best of that time period because aside from superman and superman 2 Mm -hmm. they were all pretty bad you're like (laughs) man it's like eating you know it's like eating breakfast and being like god damn this is the best thing i ate all day and it's like well you got something pretty good planned for dinner you just got to get there (laughs) um so uh critics felt that the soundtrack complimented the visual style i love this soundtrack i thought you might i have it on vinyl and i even have graham ravel's um i don't know if i've opened it yet i have the score soundtrack so i have both versions of it it's ooh. yeah well i mean in like the like the solo like um it's called inferno when he's sitting on the rooftop and you know well well like all that up until it's all like, I learned how to play that on my guitar all the way up into the part where it's all... I'm like, I, I'm not mm-hmm. that good. Like, sure. self-taught tab reader. Like, But, like, I could play it all the way up to the part. And I'm like... Da-da-da-da. I'm like, yeah, it was fucking awesome. But I recently got that from, I believe, Amazon. I don't think I... Oh, it's hard to say. I would like... No, it was the Crow soundtrack that I think I spent my... On, but I don't remember <laughs> what, what the, the score. Um, calling it blistering, edgy, and, and boisterous, Graham 
uh, Ravel was praised for his moody score. Howe said that it drapes the story in postmodern Paul. Okay. I don't know. Uh, P A L L. Hmm. Negative reviews of the film were generally similar in the theme to the positive ones, but said that the interesting and okay special effects did not make up for the superficial plot, badly written screenplay, and one-dimensional characters. I think, I don't know, like, part of me can see why that they would say that, but at the same time, like, the only characters in this movie that were, like, so... Eric and Shelly, they didn't have one-dimensional character. Like, they had... Yeah. Like, Shelly wasn't even technically in the movie outside of flashbacks until the right. very end. Sarah. Like, she's not... Like, she, did, she was fine. I think the villains were fairly one-dimensional and just kind of meh. Like... Except... Okay, so, in my notes, I wrote this down for later, but Michael Wincott's portrayal of Top Dollar... I loved his portrayal. Like everything, like obviously he looks like a nineties fucking emo vampire guy, whatever. But like his performance, the way he delivers his lines, the tone of his voice, like everything like works. It's almost like it's similar to like watching Orlando Bloom in Lord of the Rings. So you see like, (laughs) like an elf version of that. But you know, the reason why I say that is because it's like, if you think of Orlando Bloom, you don't think of anything but Legolas. And then watching him do something else never seems to stack up to that one performance. And I haven't seen a whole lot of what Michael Wincott has done outside of Top Dollar. But, like, his performance was awesome for me. That's fair. And as much as I love Tony Todd, his character didn't really do anything but I didn't even there. realize that was him, honestly. <laughs> really? Like- yeah. This is two years post Candyman too. Wow. Yeah. Well, After you said that, I went, "Oh shit, that is him." That is oh, him. Okay. The man is taking I was, the meeting. I was surprised to see Ernie Hudson. I was like, "Oh shit." He was Ghost awesome Busters. in this movie too. Like. Yeah, he did a good job. You know, like you really sympathized with him because it's like, man, I hope your you and your wife get back together. <laughs> like. <laughs> Probably not though. Um. So the Crows mentioned in Empire's 2008 list of 500 of the 500 greatest movies of all time. It ranked at number 468. It has since become a cult film. Former World Championship wrestler Sting drew inspiration from the movie for his crow-like character in South Park. In the South Park episode "Hell on Earth 2006," Satan throws a birthday party for himself in Los Angeles, but requests that none of the partygoers dress up as the crow, due to the <laughs> fact that he considers it annoying that multiple people always dress up as the character for Halloween parties because they want to look hot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, which is what uh, yeah, I was talking about at work today. So. MTV Movie Awards was nominated for Best Movie of the Year and um, Best Actor, um, obviously Brandon Lee, posthumous. Both nominated, did not win, but they did win uh, the MTV Movie Movie Award for Best Song for Stone Temple Pilots' um, song, Big Empty. Um, Skull Cowboy is a character from the original comic book that was removed from the movie but was originally planned to be uh, part of the adaptation and even had scenes filmed the character acted as a guide for Eric Draven between uh, between the worlds of of the dead and living he was set to be played by Michael Berryman the actor known for his role in the cult horror film um, The Hills Have Eyes 
So he's like the title character on the cover. Um, mm. In 1996, the sequel he's was... The re- with the eyes. <laughs> a sequel was released called The Crow City of Angels. In this film, Vincent Perez plays Ash Corvin, um, who, along with his son Danny, is killed by criminals. Ash is resurrected as a new crow. The characters of Sa- uh, Sarah Moore... Uh, played by um, Mia Kirshner, reappear, uh, reappears in this film and assists Ash. The film also features Iggy Pop, who, according to the booklet insert for the film soundtrack, was the producer's first choice for Fun Boy in the first Crow movie, but he was unable to that. commit... Huh? I could see that, I could too. That. that. Oh, man. But he was unable to commit due to his recording schedule. The band uh, Deftones can be seen playing live in a festival scene, and they contributed the song Teething to the soundtrack. The film was followed by a television series and a, and two direct-to-video sequels, each with a different person as a crow. The Crow Stairway to Heaven was a 1998 Canadian television series created by Bryce Zabel and starring Mark uh, Dacascos in the lead role as Eric Draven originally played by Brandon Lee. The third film, The Crow Salvation, was was released in 2000, directed by uh, Bharat Naluri. It stars Eric uh, Mabius, Mabius, Kirsten Dunst, Fred Ward, Jody Lynn O'Keefe, and William Atherton. It is loosely based on Poppy Z, Bright's novel The Lazarus Heart, um, after its di- uh, distributor canceled the intended theatrical release due to the Crow City of Angels' negative critical re- reception, the Crow Salvation was released directly to video with mixed reviews. The fourth film, The Crow, Wicked Prayer, was released in 2005, directed by Lance Mangia. It stars Edward Furlong <laughs> as The Crow, uh, David sure. uh, Borean as Tara Reed, Tito Ortiz, Dennis Hopper, Emmanuel uh, Tricky, uh, I can't pronounce it, and Danny Trejo. Nice. It was inspired by Norman uh, Partridge's novel of the same title. It had one week. It had a one-week um, theatrical premiere on uh, June third, two thousand five, at AMC Pacific Place Theater in Seattle, Washington, before being released to video on July nineteenth, two thousand five. Like the other sequels, it had a poor critical reception, and it was considered the worst of the four films. Ouch. Yeah. Well, when you have to turn to Tara Reid, there's usually something going wrong. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, just a forewarning from here on out, people showed up at my house, so I apologize if there's a bunch of noise in the background. Fair all right. Uh, the Crow 2037 was plan- was a planned sequel written and scheduled to be directed by Rob Zombie in the late 90s. However, it was never made. Good. Good? <laughs> I'd, I'd still... I watched all of these. The, all the shitty movies. Yeah. All the, the, the cascos. Like, mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk more about it because there's... There was... Re- there's, it's been a reboot hell, thankfully, for a very long time. Um, oh, yeah, I know uh, Jason Momoa has been tied to it so, for a long so time. So was Luke too. Evans. Yeah. Luke Evans was tied to him before that. I and Right about the time I started to warm up to the idea of Luke Evans, they they nixed it. Hmm. And then they're like, okay, Jason Momoa. And I'm like, 
okay, I can see it. But then when that that got next, I'm like, oh, they should just have him play Lobo because it looks exactly the same as all the fan art that you would see yeah. for it. He would be good as Lobo. He'd I be think cool. better than Aquaman. Uh, much, yeah, much better, much better. Uh, if they ever reboot it, I think they should go back to classic Aquaman, and then yeah. and then you know because Momoa, Sechuwaba's performance did kind of help bring the character back from hey i'm using seahorses as skis yeah. Oh, yeah. you know <laughs> and yeah. so um right here um on december 14 2008 stephen norrington announced in variety that he had planned to write and direct a reinvention of the crow norrington distinguished between the original and his remake whereas Proyas originally was gloriously gothic and stylized. The new movie will be realistic, hard-edged, and mysterious, almost documentary style. Ryan Cavanaugh then announced on November 23, 2009, that his company, Relativity Media, was in negotiations with Edward R. Pressman for both the film's rights and financing. Norrington later stepped out of the film or out of the project, and on April 7, 2011, it was announced that the 28 weeks or 28 weeks later, director Juan Carlos Fresnadillo had been chosen to direct, to direct the film, which has since been regarded as a remake. Tucker Tooley of Relativity Media was chosen to serve as executive producer, while Jose Ibanez, um, John Katz, and Jesus de la Vega were uh, to serve as co-producers. Meanwhile, Bradley Cooper was in talks to play the, play the lead. I forgot about that. Bradley Cooper <laughs> was supposed to play the crow. That one I was not as stoked about. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure Midnight Meat Train fine. like yeah. kind of helped with that a little bit, but um so uh, it was reported on April 20th, 2011, that the project was uh, undergoing some legal battles. In late June 2011, Relativity Media announced that their plans to continue the uh, in mid-lawsuit and had tapped Alex C., who co-wrote the movie Watchmen. Um, in mid-August 2011, it, it was announced that Cooper had dropped out due to scheduling difficulties, and Mark Wahlberg, who was originally in talks for the league in, t- league in 2010, was up Yuck. for the part uh, <laughs> with the additional rumors of Channing Tatum or Ryan Gosling possibly Ugh. taking the role, as well as James McAvoy. Yeah, I, I don't see visually, I don't see it, but the dude's got no. the acting chops to do it. I could, oh, like, yeah. It's... In October 2011, it was reported that Fresnadillo had departed the project as well. It was confirmed in January of 2012 that Francisco Javier Gutierrez had signed on to direct the remake with Edward R. Pressman and Jeff Most on producing duties, um, who also produced the original, uh, the first movie. Um, in, in June of 2012, producer Edward R. Pressman assured fans that the original 1994 Crow film holds a special place in my heart. The current film is a reinvention of James O'Barr graphic novel for the 21st century. We're thrilled to have teamed with the director Javier Gutierrez and screenwriter Jesse Wigato on this story, which remains true to the core of Eric Draven's plight for revenge. For revenge. God damn it. I can't talk either. Out for revenge. Um, on, the, on the news of future remakes, however, Obar stated, I don't have great expectations. I think that the reality is no matter who you get to star in it or 
or if you get Ridley Scott to direct it and spend $200 million, you're still not going to top what Brandon Lee and Alex Proyas did in the first $10 million movie. On April 19, 2013, it was announced that Tom Hiddleston was in talks to play Eric Draven that same That'd month. That'd be interesting, too, because the dude could act and, mm-hmm. like... He's more lanky, which I like. Like, these he, bigger guys, it seems kind of strange. Well, and that was... Because, like, that was the thing about with... with um, Bren Lee is obviously a martial artist. He mm. wasn't really big. He was more defined, kind of kind of Loki-esque. You know, they showed yeah. him like he was muscularly defined. I could see yeah. it. You know, he, I like seeing Tom Hiddleston with the longer shoulder length hair. I'm more accustomed to seeing him without with that than with the short hair. With, right. You know, uh, but I, I could see it. I figured you'd get a kick out of that one too. Um Da, 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 da. That same month, there were reports that uh, there were reports that Hiddleston would not be doing the film, but Alexander Skarsgård was being eyed for the part. <laughs> However, a week later, Skarsgård said that he was not attached to the film. So basically, everybody and their mother has yeah. been <laughs> attached to playing Eric Draven in the reboot. Yeah, that's and we right. we're not even done with the list yet. I need to take a drink. <laughs> yeah. As of. Nope. On May 4th, 2013, Deadline reported that Luke Evans had been cast as Eric Draven. Evans reaffirmed to the superhero hype that the film would be as faithful as possible to the original. And on July 3rd, 2013, The Crow's creator, James O'Barr, was named as the creative consultant uh, to the film. In October of 2015... Obar interviewed would uh, discuss what had changed in his mind about the reboot and efforts to make a reboot um, efforts to make the reboot a more faithful adaptation of the comic book while remaining respectful to the original film on November 2001 to uh, I'm sorry November 21st of 2013 Schmoes No had a report that Norman Reedus was up for the role of the t- of the character named James, and that Kristen Stewart had been one time considered for the role of Shelley. <sighs> you just imagine instead of instead of seeing her smile all the time, she's just like, "Oh God, 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 God. sucks and just God. sucks. God, Dumb. God sucks. Eric died. God sucks." I don't want to do this, Dad. <laughs> um, I'll be a vampire now. God, uh, get out of my room. In December 2014, the studio hired Corin Hardy to direct the film. Evans told Den of Geek in an interview that he might not do the film, and it was later revealed that Evans had dropped out of the film due to other projects. On February 9th, 2015, Obar told Blaster in an interview that he was interested in Sam Witwer for the role. Hmm. Huh. I don't see that. Oh, well, hmm. no, Star Killer. I don't know. Yeah, eh. I mean, he did play. What didn't he play the the vampire guy also in the show Almost Human? I think it was. Right. Um, as of October twenty fourth, two thousand fourteen, the film was set to start production in the spring of two thousand fifteen. On February twenty fifth of two thousand fifteen, it was reported that Jack Houston would be starring in the film. <laughs> On March fourteenth, two thousand fifteen, Obar confirmed to Dread Central at the Lux- at Lexington Comic and Toy Convention that Houston had been cast as Draven in the reboot. 
At, and at a Q&A during the convention, he further confirmed that Jessica Brown Finley had been cast as Shelley Webster. On May 20th, 2015, Deadline reports that uh, Andrea Risenborough is in talks to co-star as the female version of Top Dollar. Uh, on June 15th, 2015, according to Variety reported two stories, Forrest Whitaker was in... Um, Forrest Whitaker is in negotiations for a role and Houston dropped out due to scheduling conflicts, but Relativity Studios are looking at Nicholas Holt and Jack O'Connell for the role of Draven. God damn it. Um, on July 31st, 2015, The Hollywood Reporter reported that the production on the reboot stalled because of Relativity Media's bankruptcy. It's probably because of all the that fucking casting it. that they've done <laughs> over the last two years. I oh think my! Chris Holt wouldn't be too bad. No, he's a great actor. I just I can't picture him with the hair and the face. No. I don't know. I'll have to look and see if there's any fan art out there somewhere. Uh, Obar told ComicBook.com in an interview that the film will still happen. The rap reported uh-huh. the, the rap reported that filming on the reboot was going to start in March of 2016 with Corn Hardy on board as director. On June 15th of 2016, Deadline reports that Hardy may return to the reboot. <laughs> on July, on August 10th, 2016, Jason Momoa posted a photo of himself with Hardy on his Instagram account. On 2000, on uh, September 6th, 2016, the Wrap reports that Momoa is cast and filming will begin in January of 2017. I remember this. <laughs> I do too, because I remember when he's all lent up on, uh, yeah. yeah, on November. On November 17th of 2016, the, Hi- uh, the Hollywood Reporter has reported that Highland Film Group and The Electric Shadow have acquired the rights to finance, produce, and distribute the film, now titled The Crow Reborn, from Relativity, but may lose both Momoa and Hardy. In, t- in September of 2017, it was announced that Sony will distribute the film. Uh. On May 31st of 2018, <laughs> it was announced that both director and Hardy... But director Hardy and star Momoa had exited the project, leaving its future highly uncertain. In November 2019, Proyas had said in an interview on a podcast of a reboot, I personally tried to squash it every time I heard of one. Not that I believe, not that I believe I've been able to. I think extenuating circumstances has stopped it from being made because Hollywood wants to make something that they don't... Um, because, hold on, sorry have stopped it being made because if Hollywood wants to make something that they don't listen to schmucks like me who bring noble and more uh, moralistic issues, my point is that Brandon Lee made that movie what it is. He made that movie. He made that character. The character was not taken from a comic book. That was Brandon. And Brandon Lee died making that movie. He paid the worst price anyone could ever pay making a movie, and it's his legacy. The guy would have been a huge star after that movie. He wasn't a- he uh, wasn't able to ever do that. That uh, that's his final testimony. That's his final testimony to his talent, and that's why I finished the movie. I finished it for Brandon. After and uh, being devastated about what happened, we shut down the production, and I went back to Australia. Months later, I went back and I watched the movie. With- and his family and all the other actors, everyone involved, said, you got to finish this movie because Brandon is so great in it. And he was. 
I was able to watch it and see how great he was, and I thought that the movie deserves to be completed because it's his legacy. So that's what the movie is. It's not just a movie that can be remade. It's one man's legacy, and it should be treated with that level of respect. I agree. To like, I mean, well, that was what I was going to ask. So, what? How do you feel as a crow lover about the idea of a reboot? Outside of just wanting to see it, I get mad every time well. I hear. I get mad about it every time I hear it. I'm like, God, just let it rest. No. I mean, if it happens, I'll watch it. I watch the other shit sequels. Like, yeah. it it nothing will ever replace the original. No matter what they make, there will always be the original. Yeah. I don't think that anything will ever detract from the original. So it's like. At this point, like, I kind of got excited just, like, when they, like, I was like, okay, I could see Momoa playing that character. You know, the rock, the dead rock star. Mm-hmm. I I really came around to the idea of Luke Evans, especially after watching Dracula. I'm like, yeah. okay, I could fucking see this. Good. I could, yeah, because he's, he, he's great, too. Yeah. I would like to see one that's more true to book. Like, having never read it, obviously, so I don't know what exactly that means. Right. But... Like, I think that would help differentiate from the original to just do the book. Yeah. I, yeah. So before we dive into the movie, because, like, I mean, the production notes, like, were very in-depth. And I went mm. through a lot of dates and a lot of times. I got some fun facts. The movie, there's not a whole lot to talk about the movie itself. So I feel like we'll kind of breeze through that. Fun. But I, I do well, have... I wanted, I wanted to ask, sure. um, just for clarification... What exactly happened to Brandon Lee? Okay. Because I've heard what happened, but I don't even know if that is so, true. And that's why, um, also, and for those of you that are curious about it, if you don't know what happened to Brandon Lee, he was shot with a blank, essentially. So what had happened, and if you got, like I said earlier in the episode, if you guys go and watch Cursed Films, the episode the crow it actually they do a demonstration they show you exactly what happened and how it happened and there's a lot more information that like so one i could literally do an entire ep- i could we could do an entire episode on just talking about the production of the movie like we could end it right yeah. now at 46 minutes and be good yeah um i can do an entire episode on fun facts and trivia about this movie we oh, can do sure. an entire episode about the the death and all that kind of stuff because like oops there's like a what do they call it some sort of fair union act thing whatever that was going on and i think that the weapons master had gone home or wasn't there anymore so nobody actually inspected the gun right. and so what and <clears throat> i we'll see if i have it in my fun facts but um if you guys are curious about how he died, watch Cursed Films. If you guys don't have Shudder, it's five bucks a month, and it's more than worth it. It's more than worth it. Um, I think so, it might be on DVD as well. I could be wrong. What's that? Cursed I Films? Think it might, yeah. Um, I feel like I've seen it. Yeah, probably. So. I'll take a look while you talk, although you'll probably find it faster than me. Um, it was caused by... His, he was killed by a uh, prop gun accident so it was a negligent death it is on blu-ray for 14 bucks curse films mm-hmm. oh, okay so there you go um 
So what happened was it says, as a uh, police investigation began, get out of here, historychannel.com, <laughs> pop up. Um, as police inv- investigation began, little was certain about how Lee died, and rumors circulated that the film was jinxed, there had been a series of accidents, or that his death had been plotted by some unknown enemy. It um, In the end, the truth was far less sinister, but no less tragic. Ho- hollowed out cartridges, cartridges are... Hold on. I had a little something pop back up there. Sorry. Um, hollowed out cartridges are often used to film close-ups of a gun being loaded. The dummy cartridges are supposed to then be removed and replaced with blanks before firing. The police investigation into Lee's death concluded that the tip of one of the cartridges broke off um, from the uh, cartridge and lodged in the gun. Then fired at Lee along with the blank. So basically what happened is the tip of it got stuck and then when they put a primed blank in behind it, it shot that piece out, which was probably, you know, a good half to three quarters of an inch long, Mm -hmm. um, shot out of the gun and into like into Brandon's body. I don't remember exactly where they say he was shot. If he was shot like through the stomach into like his back or something like that. But, um, so if you're curious about what part of the movie he is shot and killed in as well, it's when he comes home and, you know, the gang is in there and they threw, you know, Tintin throws the knife at him. He falls and then they hold him up. And then they shoot at him. Well, Michael Massey is the one with the prop gun, Fun Boy. That's when he shot and killed him. Was right there. And I thought it was when he showed up in front of the whole gang. And that's initially house. what I had heard too. But the, it was at that point in the film, Massey was already dead, and it was the it was from his. And Brandon prop- was already dead. Uh, no, he wasn't died. He wasn't dead at that part. Of the, like he had most of his scenes filmed. Up to mm. that point, but it's yeah, it's when they're holding him up, and he it's when he gets shot coming into the apartment. Um, so some fun facts before we get into the thing. Director Alex Proyas originally wanted to shoot the entire movie in black and white, closer to the comics, and only use color in Draven's flashback scenes with high con- uh, high contrast theme. But the studio effects didn't allow him to experiment with the approach. This made him shoot much of the film in a monochromatic color, then mixed with red and dark gray. Um, Although he was not at fault for the death of Brandon Lee, Michael Massey stopped acting for a year because he is so traumatized by the incident. His next film was a small role in Seven in 1995. Up until his death in 2016, he had never watched the film. And in 2005, 12 years after the accidental shooting of Brandon Lee, Michael Massey fired the gun, claimed to still have nightmares about the incident. Yeah, How could I would you not? So. How could you not? True. Um, so, in his Blu-ray commentary, Alex Proyas said that Brandon Lee was unhappy with the way his face paint looked when the makeup department applied it to him before shooting. Lee and Proyas then agreed that it would look best if Lee applied his own makeup every night before going to bed, so that when he woke up, his face paint would uh, nat would naturally look more worn out. 
Hmm. Some believe that because of the tragic death of Brandon Lee, this movie responsible for changing uh, this movie is responsible for, for changing gun safety standards in film, i.e., action scenes. The gun is held off to the side, and tricky camera angles are used when the weapon is aimed at a character to avoid misfiring or other horrific accidents. According to James O'Barr, he did not like the casting. He did not. He didn't like casting Brandon Lee as the main lead for his comic book adaptation. At the time, he had only seen him in Showdown Little Tokyo uh, three years prior, and feared that it would um, end up like a kung fu movie and go straight to video. But he was thrilled when he first met Brandon on the set with the makeup and crow outfit. He was amazed by Brandon's take on the character when he spoke the exact line from the comic books. At around 26 minute, 26 minutes in, uh, according to John Polito, Brandon Lee cut himself when he broke the glass in Gideon's shop. The glass was breakaway glass, and it's very rare for anyone to get cut by it. Polito also said he told Brandon Lee that he feared Lee would die in an onset accident like Vic Morrow did filming of The Twilight Zone, the movie, in 1983. Unfortunately, Polito's prediction turned out to be true. Uh, could you imagine just joking being like god damn dude you were gonna die on this movie and then yeah, and then you did yeah I james horse's like o- ass for the rest <laughs> of my life <laughs> james abar stated on the crow dvd that when he met the movie's executive they originally wanted to make this a musical starring michael jackson he yeah. immediately laughed uncontrollably thinking it was a joke only to find out that they were quite serious it was only until brandon lee and alex proyas came on board that the movie took a more serious turn he he. <laughs> according, <laughs> uh, according to Emp- <laughs> according to Empire Magazine, cocaine abuse was rampant on the scent. Um, uh, with can- uh, cameramen shooting whilst high, crew going into the toilets to snort between shots, and people cutting around. One crew member recalls hearing the sound of a sneeze on the set one day, and an annoyed Brandon Lee's quip: "Someone just lost fifty dollars." <laughs> sneezing all the coke out its nose uh while most of the scenes after brandon's lead death were digitally composed there was in fact a mask that had been made directly from the mold of brandon lee's face it had been intended to use uh intended for use on his stunt doubles if needed they attempted to create the scenes using the mask however the cast and crew were far too unsettled by the prop that it was destroyed and digital means were used to fill in the gaps if you watch cursed films, they show a couple pictures of the stunt double sitting in a chair wearing the mask, and it is the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It's I believe bad. it. Oh, during the first day of shooting in Wilmington, North Carolina, a carpenter suffered uh, severe burns after his crane hit li- uh, live power lines. On subsequent Jesus. days, a grip truck caught fire, disgruntled sculpture crashed his car through the studio's plaster shop, and a crew member accidentally drove a screwdriver through his hand. Um, James O'Barr originally wanted Johnny Depp to be cast as Eric Draven. Um and so the last one I put on here said the for Brandon and Eliza dedication at this at the start of the end of the credits was for Brandon Lee who was accidentally killed in the production of this movie, and his fiance Eliza Hutton who supported Alex's previous decision to complete the movie. I'm gonna make myself cry. Oh. <laughs> no, and so that's that's it, and that's a fraction. Yeah, like sure. uh, we could like we could just not talk about the movie and just talk about everything else and oh. I'll, honestly I'd be fine for it. like I said there's not a whole lot to the movie but let's go ahead and dive into it take another sippy poo after like Justin. <laughs> Tommy, 
talking a lot uh, makes you thirsty. It does. It does. And uh, I'm not drinking beer during the week, so this is a uh, Sprite Zero. Hmm. I'm working on it. I'm trying, man. I'm I'm switching up the diet. I'm not drinking as much. I, you know, like you saw me eat today. My little, my little, tuna um, my little tuna cup. Yeah. <laughs> proud of you. I'm proud of you. Uh, so the movie does start out. It is kind of Burton-esque looking. They're doing a flyover the city. It's definitely a miniature, but it is very Burton-esque. And mm. one of the things that I had noticed from this, like, like you'll see the crow fly, or you'll see certain shots, and it's very batman 89 like you know like when they're they they show batman walking into the church and it's like that all black and it's like you know that's fake but they're like a lot of that it looked like that in this where it's like obviously him running across the roof you know sped up that was fake you know Mm -hmm. um but like this movie the budget went so like it took 23 million dollars to make this movie yeah. You know, because I think I don't I didn't get exact numbers, but I think two thirds of the movie was spent on digital effects after he passed. Uh, right. I think I eight to ten million of it. Almost half, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um so uh you have Torres who's the asshole cop who um like this like at this point in the movie there it it's the first of many altercations between Albrecht being demoted to a beat cop because he just doesn't play ball. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know why I'm drawing blanks here, but yeah, you know, Torres, he's just a dick throughout the entire movie, and there's no redemption quality in this guy at all. He's just, he's. No, and it almost, I, like, they rarely don't really go into why he's such an ass face to him all the time other than he's just not you know in the the cool kids club and right. so it's it's very strange and very 90s to be like oh here's the jerk cop and here's the cop who's still you know just doing his job getting you're, his paycheck and you're a beat wearing cop. his hat and his underwear <laughs> poor guy you're still wearing your hat you're <laughs> a beat not, cop you are <laughs> you're a beat cop act like a beat cop oh dick um um so we you know jump straight from there we get the introduction to t-bird and his quote he always seems to quote something before something happens it's like Mm -hmm. all right dude we get it you're smart you're that smart (laughs) edgy criminal that quotes everything you know um i wanted to write some more of them down but i wrote down plenty of fucking quotes for this these notes um so they end up blowing up the arcade, um, which is a scheduled, kind of like a scheduled hit. You know, you find out later when uh, Draven blows up the pawn shop. He's like, you know, nothing goes on in this town without my say. So, um, you know, I don't remember giving the go on this on this one, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we get to uh, the um, the crow showing up on the headstone, kind of tap, tap, tapping at the top of the, the headstone there, um, kind of knocking and bringing them back to life there. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a cool idea. I just wish that they had like gone more into the, the why it's a thing that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, the... 
that one lady kind of talked about it a little bit and how they were able to be like, oh, if you kill the bird, you kill him. Right. And I'm kind of wondering if that was their... And I'll like the book should be here Friday or Saturday, so I'll, I'll try to read it this weekend mm-hmm. to kind of see if she's in there, if she's their version of the Asian character that was in the books that I was telling you about at lunch, how they mm-hmm. Brandon Lee kind of got that scrap from the script about, right. you know, your stereotypical Asian-esque character, you know, ability to steal the powers. Um, so, the, you know, Draven's brought back. You you know it talks about well in, in the initial flyover. You know Sarah's kind of explain, explaining about how the crows you know bring you back from the land of the dead to the living and all that kind of stuff. And you kind of see that this bird is his uh, spirit guide. You know, yeah. and he does that. He like he's kind of leading them to where he needs to go because it's like he knows where he lives, but at the same time, like he's been dead for a year. So, right. you know, he comes out of the ground, he, the crow guides him to a dumpster with some boots and then takes him to his house where he's got his rocker clothes, gets those put on and it's kind of cool. And they kind of like that classic POV shot where he's going into the apartment with the caution tape over the door, mm-hmm. which is, which is a kind of a cool touch there. The only time they use the POV shot really, but yeah, gave me Halloween vibes. Yeah, Prowler vibes, yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. Sure. Um, Reliving, and then so he's you know he's in there kind of rel- like he's having flashbacks to what happened that night he came home and it was in that scene and you know which you you see that he's shot and killed. Another thing about the curse films they were talking about with um, the makeup director, like he has the he still has the book of all the pictures of like doing the makeups and this and that and it's really eerie because in that scene where he, you know draven's laying on the ground where brandon lee's on the ground he's got the blood all, all over his face because he just got thrown out of a six-story building mm-hmm. and you're looking at that picture because he looks like he's dead obviously he's not quite dead yet okay all right i'll be out there soon yeah right i'm just kidding um <laughs> So it shows like you just like he looks dead as shit in the pictures with the blood all over it. And so it's really yeah. kind of unsettling with, you know, going back to the art imitating happened. death. Well, and just like, like I said, I hadn't watched this movie in 15 plus years and I didn't remember how graphic their death was. And the fact that she was, you know, tortured and raped and all this mm-hmm. shit was like, oh my God, this is for a comic book movie, even though it's rated R. Like, it's heavy yeah i mean even blade doesn't really go that deep no and, you're not yeah dark right you're not wrong with that um so you know we progress through the story a little bit more than we get to the pit which is the bar where everybody hangs out um I wrote down nothing says friendship like pointing guns and knives at each other, and so they're all t- <laughs> right. you know they're <laughs> they're swallow uh, you know they're they're badass criminals bullets. yeah taking shots, and then Tin Tin takes his fur he puts Skank's arm down takes his first and he's all pussies drink last man and he's all you got pussy Tin Tin fucking pulls a gun out and I'm just like oh which one of you Motor City motherfuckers want to bet that this one is it. 
Doc. Yeah, like... <laughs> Watching that scene, I just went, you're all douchebags. Like, every single one of you is just complete schmuck. Fire it up! Fire yeah. it up! <laughs> like, it seems like everyone in that bar is like, you are the biggest bunch of fucking losers. And that's one of the things. Ever. One of my favorite characters in this movie is the bartender. <laughs> the guy behind the bar. Mm-hmm. Have a good night, Darla. <laughs> like, it's just, it, it cracks me up. Because he, he almost has the face of like a younger kid in an old man body. It's really weird yeah. in that. Um, so, yeah, there you get a glimpse of the douchiness of the, of the gang members and... We get um, slow mo flashbacks. Have a, a have an extra feel to them um, personal, given what happened on set. So like they do a lot of slow mo shots of like, you know, just Brandon Lee, different angles, different yeah. yeah, and it just makes it even sadder because it's just like stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my favorite parts of the movie too is when you know he's applying the makeup and um. He's sitting there. He punches the glass, which I guess that was not Brandon Lee. That was some. That was the stunt double, <clears throat> and that they. That was one of the things they did was they digitally put his face in the mirror. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm fighting every bit of my being not to go out in the living room and yell at the kids because <laughs> they're <laughs> being so goddamn loud. And You're it's the, it's the youngest. I just want to go out there and be like, shut up. <laughs> oh, it's driving me crazy. It's it's throwing me off my game. Like I was great going through the productions, and now I'm going through this, and I'm just like, mm. um, we'll get there. I know. We'll, I'm not worried about that. So we're kind of, sort of, almost done. Yeah, we're almost. Yeah, there's like I said, there's not a whole lot to it. So, um, I like one of my favorite things about the movie is like it. The makeup does get more and more worn. It does fade. It's not just. Hey, I put this makeup on at the beginning of the movie and I'm outside, I'm killing people, I'm doing this and that, and it's mm-hmm. just the same fresh paint that it's been the whole time. I do like that it kind of fades. Wears and tears and changes. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, it, it goes to that whole like, this is all supposedly happening over the course of one night. Yeah. So it's Devil's not night. like, yeah, it's not like, oh, I went home for the night and here's the next day and i'm freshly war painted yeah let me let me touch it up real quick (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's you know but he does go back to the place quite like at least two times like um so yeah it is a busy night so he ends up showing up at um one of the first places he goes all done up is gideon's pawn shop and this scene is awesome because oh no actually that's not there yet sorry tintin shows up uh, Tintin shows up and you get the first introduction of Gideon. This is right before Tintin gets it. But, you know, uh, Gideon calling Tintin scum, it always kind of cracked me up because he's kind of the scummy pawn dealer. Like, he's kind of a piece of shit himself. Well, yeah, and that actor <clears throat> is always like the most scuzzy <laughs> jerk in everything he's in. He reminds me of what Watto from fucking uh, <laughs> from Star Wars. Star Wars, yeah, a little yeah. bit. Um, so, you know, like I already talked about the soundtrack of this movie, you get just some of like the song, the, the burn, the main, like the theme for this movie by the, by the cure mm-hmm. one, it's up there. And one of my favorite songs, obviously being associated with the movie, but it's just, it's so good. Um, so as we kind of figure out the kind of powers that Eric Draven has, um, he, kind of has crow sight 
which is yeah. kind of cool. Um, and then uh, does a leap of faith off the building into a big old pile of garbage and just starts laughing kind of menacingly. It's kind of creepy. Um, I, I love Brandon that laugh that he does because it just, so, um, I I have a lot of quotes in the movie that stick with me, that stuck with me throughout the course of the years. Like I was talking about earlier. Um, one that me and my brother always go back and forth on is, uh, what the fuck you all painted up for crackhead Halloween ain't till manana. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and he's all, let me tell you about murder. It's fun. It's easy. And you're gonna learn all about it. Um, and then the classic uh, victims, aren't we all right before he gets stabbed? I'm like, fuck, that's so, that's awesome. That was a good one. And another one that I'm a big fan of this is uh, childhood childhood is over the moment you know you're going to die. And it's like, okay. Yeah, I heard that and I went, Jesus, (laughs) that's true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, it's intense. Um, so you get to, you meet, um, Sarah, little bits here, more in there. She seems kind of like the homeless girl. She has a home. It's just her mom's a druggie. Mm-hmm. She's a druggie bartender that, you know, is banging, ten, um, banging fun boy. Um, and then then we get to Eric Draven showing up at Gideon's. The way he kind of messes with them is funny. You know, he's kind of jumping around, kind of reminds me of, you know, it's kind of got that Lost Boys hanging around vibe. Like yeah. he's, you know, jumping around. I'm getting a general theme of the kind of things that you like between oh. this Lost Boys Warriors. Like it's a very <laughs> what's that? Like, the 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 grunge and the you know the rowdy boys and the, I, the leather and the it's not the leather, but see, the <laughs> I don't know what it is about the Warriors. Uh, it's just a it's a fun movie, but see, the thing is, is like the Warriors is like it's long. It's <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm not a fan of leather. I, I see where you're going with sure, that. Sure. Uh, sure, sure. Oh, no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm more or less serious here. Like, there's a de- very definite like tone and style to all of those things that are very similar. Like, uh, grainy stuff, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, yeah, and you know, it's aside from this reminded me 100 percent of 2003's Daredevil. Um, <laughs> As soon as it started, I was like, this is so Lost Boys. No wonder he likes this movie. <laughs> well, and like, the funny thing, that that was no less jarring hearing you say that for the second time today. <laughs> it was 2003's Daredevils. And I'm like, watch your mouth. Ben Affleck's no Brandon Lee. How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> Though the R-rated uh, version is really good. I know. I need, to, I need to watch that. But I see, and that's the thing is... Uh, this will say a lot. I didn't have a problem with Daredevil. I didn't have a problem with Elektra. Like, I can't back you that much on, you know what, but you know what I mean? Like, I'm not that guy when it comes to movies. Like, I mean, there are some movies out there. I'm like, Jesus, this is just bad. Mm -hmm. More like more often than not, I can find something enjoyable enough to. You're very forgiving. Yes, I am very forgiving. Yeah, it's great. (laughs) Um, so they're messing around with them. He's like, he, He's, you know, where's the rings? He pulls out the box and he's looking through them. He's grabbing. He's all, nope, nope, nope. He's closing his eyes. Nope, nope. And then he finds it and it's just like whole overwhelming sense there. And um, he finds the, he finds it, keeps talking more shit, going back and forth. Um, 
he pours all the rest of the rings into the shotgun, which was kind of a cool touch. And then yeah, that was really cool. The thing is, is and you you see this throughout the movie. It's like Gideon just doesn't know when to keep his mouth shut. Like we get it, you're 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 a hard ass. You don't take shit from nobody, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then he's all, you know, um, he's like, you're you're fucking street grease. You hear me? And then he turns around, and this is another one that me and my brother go back and forth. Is that gasoline I smell? And then turns around and then (laughs) fires the shotgun. But then you see the rings coming at the screen, which was cool. And it's like, if you just shut your mouth, Mm -hmm. A, your building wouldn't have got blown up. And spoilers, if you haven't seen this movie, it's been out for damn near 30 years. Um, if he wouldn't have been spouting his mouth off to Top Dollar, he might not have got a fucking sword through the throat either. Probably not. Probably, you know what I mean? Like, like if he had just licked his wounds and fucked off somewhere, well, yeah, he would have been fine. Sitting there and just talking for a shit. Night. Yeah, being like, I'm not like you two sick fucks, and it's like, oh, yeah. okay, you're calling your boss a sick fuck, and he's got a sword in his hand. Like, what do you think is gonna happen? <laughs> and then just like, we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, and so. I, I did. I wrote down again. There's a lot of one-liners in this movie. I can't quote them all. We get to the part to where, so he's already dispatched Tin uh, Tin. Took his coat. Super cool. Um, my only thing, I there is one line of dialogue in this movie that does kind of irk me, and it's when T Bird's talking to Top Dollar, I believe. And he's like, oh, he he did Tintin. He stuck a blade in every one of his major organs in alphabetical order. And it's like, <laughs> okay, you didn't, the alphabetical, you lost me with that. You could just say. That's fair. Stuck him in a, every one of his major or like arteries. Like, okay, that makes sense. Because yeah. the guy's a musician. He's not a doctor. But he knows, <laughs> he knows where all those are at, right? Yeah. Um, so he, he pops in, you know, to Fun Boy's apartment after... You know, Darla and Funboy go upstairs, and you know Sarah shows up. She's like, "I told you not to come here." And he's and he's like, "Here, go buy some dinner." And she's like, "Someone already bought me dinner. The police." <laughs> <laughs> and then they go upstairs, and this is another one of my favorite. Like, like I said, this movie is all a bunch of one-liners for me. And he's like, "Look what you did to my sheets." And it's like you just got shot in the leg, that, and you're worried about bleeding on your sheets. <laughs> that was so weird. Like, <laughs> well. It, it fit with the movie, and he's such a douchebag, but it was like, what the... <laughs> Look what of you all did. the things to be your last words. <laughs> right. Well, and that was the thing, too, because like when he goes in there, and this is probably um, Lee's most creepy vibes in the movie, when he's kind of got that look on his face, and he's rubbing his face around the light bulb, and then he does the, you know, stop me if you ever heard this one before, and he's like, you know, Jesus walks into a, a, into a bar, and... He, he, like this is while um, fun boy shooting at him after he already shot him through the hand and his hand healed up woo mm-hmm. um, which is kind of they did the same thing like with, with Back to the Future when the hand disappeared did you watch that yeah. in the movies that made us uh, well, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah when they talk about his hand disappearing they did it's like the same effect that they did where like you're like okay that's a fake hand but um, so He's like, you know, stop me if you heard this one. You know, Jesus walks into a bar, um, hands him three nails and says, can you put me up for the night? It's a horrible joke, especially if you're yeah. religious. But mm-hmm. the way he does that, and he's kind of standing there and doing like this little 
peacocky walk, and it's like, yeah. all right, look at this, you know, you all in. Just taunting them and <laughs> yeah. screwing with them before he gets horrible. Yeah. Um, so another another quote um, after he kills him, and then he kind of does his thing with Darla. He says, yeah, mother is the name for God on the lips and hearts of all children, and then puts his hand around her arms and then gets all the morphine out of her system that was cool i liked that that a lot i did too and tells her that her daughter is out there in the streets waiting for her and um so another and i already touched on this um just the score the music that they use it really amped it to another level for me um Mm -hmm. the scene in the apartment with albrecht and draven when they're talking about shelly being in the hospital you know in 30 hours you know, he waited there and, you know, he's like, oh, I just want to make sure, you know, she didn't die and I can get something out of her. And it's like, well, no, you, it's that too. But I mean, like you could come back when she wakes up, like you, you're a little more invested in it than just that. And right. like, um, so when, when he like takes his memories from him mm-hmm. and like he's, feels it and shit, like that uh, was really cool. Yeah. Um, and it's just like, you know, the music in the background, it's so light, it's so sad, and it's just like, oh my god. Another scene that's just amped up by the passing where it's like, the lines that he says, you know, nothing is trivial, and stuff like that. Um, Mm. So, we have Gideon his big mouth again. Um, I think this is about the time where he gets stabbed through the throat. And I already Mm -hmm. talked about Wincott's performance as top dollar. Like I, I just, I really loved his deliveries on everything in this movie, even by Ling. I'm not the biggest fan of her, but she was all right in this movie. Um, yeah. Didn't give her much to do. She was just kind of a weird prophet. Right. And if there was like, like when she was at, uh, when she was at central city, Mm-hmm. Um, that year that I, I actually went and like Jake the Snake and all those people were there. Like I, yeah. I would have liked to have got her autograph only if she, like I didn't actually go up. If she would have had a picture from the crow, because I would like to have been able to take that. And like I've never seen Wincott at any like, yeah. but I'd love to have gotten like his signature. Like if I could have got them both on there, that'd be rad. That would be cool. Um, not a lot of things I collect outside of horror and Star Wars, but I do have quite a bit of crow things. Um, so the rooftop solo, I already talked about that. Um, you have the scene between, uh, where he kidnaps, uh, T-Bird, f- kind of tapes him to the car. He ends up getting fused to his car. Should have zigged when he zagged. Um, this is the really real world, man. There ain't no coming back. Like that line, that's another line with me and my brother. Like, um, you know, just kind of breezing over these now they're like um what the next morning they wake up darla's at home she looks cleaned up like she took a shower she's wearing a robe all this kind of stuff and then sarah's like what'd you take to become mother of the year and it's like oh zing ow i mean warranted (laughs) don't get me wrong darla's well that's the thing like and i you see how she kind of takes it hard and it's like okay screw it but i think you kind of deserve a lump or two. Like, oh fuck! And that line too was kind of like poorly delivered. She's like, "Fine, I was never cut up for this mother shit anyway." <laughs> it's like, yeah, did you try? <laughs> Over like easy, you made mom. Egg. <laughs> Over easy. Like, um. So then we get to the crazy action scene 
<clears throat> I was in high school and I wanted to use this scene where there was some sort of film report we had to do and I was going to use uh, violence in movies and this was the scene that I was going to show in class <laughs> was this part because right. it's crazy action. It's exactly... Oh, yeah. I didn't know what I was gonna, how I was gonna write my report. I just knew that I was gonna do it in about violence in movies, and it was gonna, I was gonna show this scene. Um, <laughs> Not that it's bad, but it's cool, and this is why, because this is cool. Yeah, um, I had already talked about this with all the kids running by Lee when he's standing on the bridge. They did the show, the slow mo mm-hmm. shot of him laughing. Um, they use that scene a lot in talking about his passing. Oh yeah, um, I mean it's probably the most poignant moment, you know, intentionally. Right. Be like, yeah, he died, by the way. Right, and then the sad music. I'm like, it just fucking crushes me every time I see it. I'm like, this yeah. is horseshit. Um, you get the scene on the you uh, you they're fighting on the roof, sword fighting. Um, the thirty hours of pain all at once. That was cool. That was like, great. The sword fight seemed a bit strange. Like I like it ended up being pretty cool, but it was like, really, you're gonna have a sword fight in a modern age? No with way, guns and Beast shit? Bell is mine. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know. <laughs> but see, the thing about that though, too, is like it would have been out of place if Top Dollar wasn't just that guy who walked around with a sword strapped to his back, like he, like, right. like he's that he's that's that that's guy. In, he's that guy in high school. Where yeah. you're like, all right, nerd, we get it. You like swords and you like... <laughs> Dungeons you know. and Dragons is cool. Fun. Yeah, I whatever. Yeah, you, you you dress casual or mm-hmm. you fancy casual. You got slacks and a, <laughs> and a katana. <laughs> With a duster. Yeah, where's your fucking top hat, kid? Um, <laughs> it's at so, home. I couldn't bring it. God. God, dick. Um, and so I the last note that I wrote is when... He falls and like they showed the close up of the gargoyle and then you know he gets it through the chest, but I never noticed until last night that there was actually one of the spikes was coming through his mouth and I was like oh, yeah geez. yeah That's that was pretty cool because it was like two through the chest and one hair I was like where'd mm-hmm. that one come from but uh, yeah magic magic Crow magic Movie yeah magic. I, I I really like the here's thirty hours of, or thirty days of pain or whatever it was mm-hmm. you yeah. know, all at once like that was really cool. It was a very Ghost Rider thing to do. Right. Penance stare. Yeah. So it was, <laughs> Basically. It was a nice, nice Well, and that's what he's like. You know, he's like, here, you can have it. I don't need it anymore. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, no, you're you're done after tonight anyway, so I could see that. But yeah, it did save, it did save his life. Um, yeah. That's it, man. If you haven't that seen The Crow, thing. like, I've had this conversation at work all week because I knew we were going to record this today. And I'm like, have you seen it? No. Fuck out of my office. What you doing? Yeah, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what is going on? Like, this movie has been out for, what, 27 years? How have you not seen it? And it is one of those, like I say, it's not my new favorite movie or anything. This isn't the first time I've seen it, but it might be one of the last, because it's not... It, it's not my cup of tea, but it is... It's know, worth it's, watching at least once, and it is significant in the history of comic book movies and movies in general. And like I said, a lot of this movie, like I'm fully aware of what this movie is. I'm, I do have blinders to it. I, I guess like, I'm like Justin with this. I have MCU blinders on with it. Like I, everything like this movie is such a part of who I am as a person just growing up. Like I wouldn't say it's the movie I've seen the most, 
but like I, I I can go back and forth with you on quotes with this movie. Message me, we'll we'll talk about it. Like I love this movie, but it's very much a part of my life. Kind of right. like like a how even even more so than Halloween. Right. You know, I mean, technically this isn't a horror. It, it it depending on what aspect you look at it. So like my my top hundred movie uh, hundred horror movies to watch, it was on that list. But it's like a, it's like a fantasy. And there are moments of some horrific stuff, and the flashbacks when they're attacked is pretty horrific. Right, it's kind of like a Last House on the Left kind of thing, where just not as brutal. Yeah, I was gonna say Last House on the Left is pretty rough. Right, it is, but that <laughs> style where it's more horrific than horror. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, I wouldn't say I'm that's I'm more thriller. But yeah. what's that? I'm with you. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's the crow. And that the crow. that's a crow in an under ninety minute nineties grungy shell. Um, yeah, that that's it, man. That's it. That well, was. Let's tell the folks what we're doing next week. Next week, I've talked about it throughout this episode on and off. We are going to talk mm-hmm. about cursed films. Woot 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 woot. Like I knew that I was going to do this combo before we. Like, right when we announced that we're going to do, like, a movie and a companion. Like, I'm like, mm-hmm. The Crow and, and, and Curse Films. Like, that, that's just... it's going to. Yeah, it, it's going to go together. Um, and so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about Cursed Films. Um, I can't wait to talk about that. Like, we were, like, obviously The Exorcist is on that list. We covered that recently. The Crow is on that list. There's quite a few of them. Uh, it'll it'll be a shorter ish episode. It'll be it'll still be fun, um, but until we come back next week to talk about cursed films, I will tell you how you can get a hold of us. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook at Pod and Gore Podcast. Uh, we have a group. We have a page. We have a lot of fun on there. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Gore underscore Pod. We um, are on the Slasher app at Pod and Gore Podcast. Um, got quite quite a bit of people over there. Um, yeah. that, that's a it's a pretty fun app. Um, you can email us at podandgore at gmail Like I said, hit us up. We'd love to talk to you guys. You guys got questions, comments, concerns, criticisms, critiques, suggestions? We'll take them all. Um, always looking to hear something back. Um, if you can. You know, spread the word, like, rate, review, share, tell a friend, tell a coworker, tell your neighbor, yell it from a Randos fucking mountain. Yeah, be like, hey, <laughs> did you know about this? Like, we, st- I honestly, since I we. I see you're a person that's alive. Do you like <laughs> horror movies? If so, Pod and Gore. Yeah, they. Wherever you listen to podcasts. Yep. Um, we have not gotten any new ratings or reviews, so apparently trying to bribe y'all didn't work. <laughs> I guess not. I'll take a free t-shirt. Anyway, we appreciate you guys for hanging out with us as always. And we will see you again next week when we talk about cursed films. Until then, I've been Brennan. And I have been Justin. And we will see you guys next time. Bye. Bye.